Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. West Ham's 6-0 defeat to Arsenal last weekend was the club's worst home defeat in over 60 years. And the fans voted with their feet. And a good percentage of the West Ham crowd have seen more than enough already. Heading back towards the shopping centre at Stratford. Wins over Man United and Arsenal in December had seen supporters unite behind David Moyes. But a poor run of results have swiftly soured the mood at the London Stadium. So, will Moyes bid farewell to the Hammers when his contract expires in the summer? Or can he turn things around? And what do West Ham's owners, and more importantly the fans, really want for the club? I'm Ayoa Kimolere. Welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast. Okay, let's get into this. With me for this one, we've got the Athletics West Ham reporter, Rashane Thomas, plus Benji Lenyado, founder of photography platform Pickfair and also season ticket holder at the London Stadium. All right, I don't want to bring the tone down before we get into this, but as an honorary Arsenal fan, I've just got to talk to you boys as we've got you here about... Sorry, I've got to go. This has been lovely. <laughs> How did you feel about that match? Let's start with you, uh, Benji. I thought it was an aberration. Um, I think a lot of people have been talking about how this has been coming, but we're so we, our, our memory is so short with this. You remember when we beat Arsenal away in, in the reverse game? Then and before that, we'd beaten Man United at home, then we drew drew with Brighton seven points um, from those three games. That was only four games ago, man. Like the, the since then, we've we drawn with Sheffield United, we, which we maybe should have won. We drawn with Bournemouth, where you know I think it's a, a fair result at the moment, and then we lost to Man United and we lost to Arsenal. None of that is wild, right? The scoreline is a bit wild and it's bringing to sort of front of mind all of the anxieties that a lot of West Ham fans do have about David Moyes. Was that, from your perspective, Rashane, one of the worst West Ham performances you've seen? Yeah, definitely up there. I wouldn't say it's the worst game I've covered or seen. Any, any worse than that? You know what's the worst one for me? The worst one for me, right, is is um, Oxford away in the cup under Pellegrini. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. I'm not sure if Benji remembers that one, but that one was awful. <laughs> but uh, in terms of the, um, the loss to Arsenal, that's been coming for weeks, in my opinion. Mm. Since the turn of the year, it's just been average performance after average performance. And defensively, the team's really struggled. I'm not sure why Moyes has changed it from um, a defensive pairing of Kurt Zuma and Mavropanos to Kurt Zuma and Nane Fagged, because Nane Fagged, he's really struggled since coming back from the AFCON. He's really struggled. If you look at his defending for Saka's second goal, absolutely laughable. So yeah, so that, that loss has been brewing for weeks and now Rich will touch on Moyes' future is up in the air again. And it's a case where this weekend against Nottingham Forest, you have to try and try and hope that that's the catalyst for an increase in performance. And why I mentioned that game is last season, Benji remember as well, we were on a four-game winless streak and there was a 5-0 home win against Nottingham Forest, I believe, where Ings scored. And before that match, West Ham lost to Tottenham. But why I reference that game is Declan Rice, obviously the captain at the time, he called a team meeting, like a clear the air chat. Obviously, it's not going the way we want. We need to 
change this. And I look at this squad now and I think Kurt Zuma needs to be that guy or War Prowse or Vadim Esafal needs to be that guy and say, look, we need to come together and have a strong end to the season because look, West Ham are still in Europe. Still eighth, there's still a lot to play for. Yeah, the defensive issues are most worrying because, you know, this is a David Moyes side. That's almost like a kind of default that you can defend properly and aggressively at set pieces. Um, And I saw a really interesting chart from the sort of West Ham analyst, general football analyst, Jack Elderton, I'm sure you know him, Rochelle, where he was showing West Ham defensive partnerships and the sort of the average number of goals conceded. And worryingly, the leakiest combination was Zuma and Aguerd. And, and this is per 90 minutes. This is not cumulatively. So, you know, and they are our first choice centre-backs. And, and, and Zuma is part of the problem right now. And, and therefore, probably unlikely to supply that kind of leadership that Russia in reference with, with um, Declan Rice last year. But that's the defence, right? In terms of our, in terms of, you know, going forward, there is a very big Lucas Pakitar shaped hole in this team right now. He was injured in the, in, in the reverse fixture um, at the Emirates on the 28th of December and um, hasn't played since. Like, that is a thing that, again, I really encourage West Ham fans to remember. Right? David Moyes' sides usually, you know, as mentioned, are defensively robust. They're aggressive um, and they play nicely on the transition. And they are at their best when they got someone like Lucas Pakitar, before him with Jesse Lingard, before him back at, back at Everton, it was Stephen Pienaar, accelerating that, that transition. Once you take those players out of the David Moyes' team, it definitely does look a little bit more meat and two veg. So there are definitely sort of extenuating circumstances here. You look at the the movements in January, Calvin Phillips obviously comes in, but you also get rid of two attacking wingers. Can you just give us some sort of logic as to why West Ham would get rid of those two players when you have got major holes in your team that need plugging? No, for sure. In terms of incoming, they try their best. You know, Moyes said we made bids for loads of players. Ibrahim Osman, for example, had a loan bid objective for Emil Smith Rowe. So the, the priority was always to sign a, a left a left sided attacker. Now, in terms of the latter parts of the window, that became an issue due to a number of factors. But in terms of Ben Rahm and Fornals, they wanted to leave. First and foremost, they wanted to leave. They didn't want to stay at West Ham anymore. But then as, as the board, though, I know. Go, we need you here. We might give you your, you know, we might give you your, your transfer in January, but for the time being, stay put. You've definitely got that transfer to Leon or wherever. I, I, I definitely agree with you. That's what you should have said. You're staying. You're staying to the end of the season because we can't, we can't do without you. But the players' opinion, I need to go. I need to leave. I'm always sort of went at the pros and cons of having happy players. I thought, you know what? I'm better off just letting them both go. But as a result of that, as we saw against Arsenal, against Man United, absolutely weak of options on the flanks. You've got Ben Johnson. <laughs> he's not be for being a fullback. He's played a midfield. He's played left wing. He's played a right wing. And then you have someone like Maxwell Cormier, who's actually a winger. He's not getting game time. So it's just it's just a mess at the minute. And why Benji mentioned Luka Qatar, he makes everything click in his team. I remember Vladimir Safal saying he plays football like it's in a Copa Cabana. You know, that is how amazing he is. And that game against Arsenal, the... Um, the away win, he was so important. And then obviously he came off through injury. That's what initially started his calf injury. And then he came back against Bristol City, they sort of rushed him back, and then he's been out since. So hopefully when he comes back, I sound cliche here, but hopefully he'll be like a new signing because he's so important to attack his system and he's so important to get the best out of Jared Boren and Ami Kudis. Benji, the last time we were on the podcast, um, it was the two of you actually, we were looking at how well West Ham have bought since, you know, Declan Rice, such a huge transfer fee. And I mean, look, Kudus, Ward-Prowse, uh, Mavropanos, and also Alvarez. I mean, they are solid, solid signings. In terms of West Ham season, how do you think this team has moved on since Declan Rice? So I think the, the key there was that we, you know, you're never going to replace Declan Rice with one player. 
So we replaced him with two, with uh, James Ward Prowse and, and, and with Alvarez. Um, El Capitan is his, is his, uh, his <laughs> name at West Ham. Um, now, that made a hell of a lot of sense. And actually, you know, for most of this season, if not all of it, the three in midfield of Suchek, Alvarez uh, and Ward Prowse has been really effective. They kind of all do a bit of what you want from a complete midfield set. That is what makes the Calvin Phillips signing so strange. Because that was not an area that we needed to strengthen. Like as you as you mentioned, we get rid of two wingers. Yeah, let's get a little bit more, um, you know, speed and flair on the wings. What he should have done with Phillips is put him on the bench and say, "You've got to play your way into this team. You've got to wait until someone gets injured. You've got to wait for um, um or, or, or a suspension, then prove yourself." What he did, which was strange, and it's made things very lopsided, is he, you know, it, it certainly did on his debut. He just he threw him in against Bournemouth. And he, we were essentially playing four central midfielders and he sort of played Ward Prowse out on the left. He's not a left wing. He's never been a left wing. He's, he, he can't run that boy. But he can put in a, you know, a good tackle and he's got a bit of an engine on him. He's certainly got, um, you know, he hasn't got the acceleration, but he's got he's got the energy um, and he's got his set pieces. So, yeah, that was strange. It felt a little bit like in the summer when we were linked with Calvin Phillips and Ward Prowse, it always seemed to be like, if we get one of those two, we'll be happy. And we had a little bit of kind of, um, you know, you know, aggression with with, with uh, Alvarez behind them would be happy. And when West Ham suddenly had the opportunity to sort of end up with both of them, I think they just seized it because they could, not because they should. But yeah, as you've said, I think we could have done with another winger. We've got a young kid called him Callum Marshall, who's incredibly exciting youngster. He's, he's consistently player of the month um, in the PL2. And we sent him on loan to West Brom. He can play on the wing. So yeah, just, just feels a little bit weird, some of the behaviour over the transfer window. Rishay, can you just give us a sense of what the youth system then is at West Ham and also in terms of scouting as well? In terms of the youth system, the first part of the question is some good players in the academy, mm. some really good players. As Benji touched on, Callum Marshall, he was part of the youth team that won the um, FAU Cup last season. Such an important player for under-21s. I hope he does well in the championship at West Brom because he had as many as uh, 20 clubs after him. So that's how much of an exciting player he is. For the young players right now, it's a case where they're like, We'll get a chance to play in the first team, maybe a 10-minute appearance, but that's it. We won't play again. And that's why a lot of fans have frustrated them always because it's been the integration into the first team for those young players that's been the issue. You've got Devon Bamba, he's been playing every every so often, but and then last season you've got a defender like Jamal Baptiste who's left because he didn't see a pathway into the first team. And you've got others like Harris Nashby, Sonny Perkins who have gone over the years. So you've got a case where there's young players who are talented, but they're looking elsewhere in terms of receiving first-team chances. In terms of the recruitment team, it's improved so much. It's improved so much. When Moyes came back December 2019, there was only one scout. What Premier League club do you know when there's only <laughs> one scout? It's classic West Ham for if you one scout. His name's Henry Newman. He's part of Moyes' backroom staff right now. So Moyes came back and thought, you know what? I've got to change it. I've got to transform this club. So now you have Tim Steiner. Now you've got Jorge Santos, who's the European scout. You've got Rob Newman, who's head of recruitment. You've got so many personnel now who all have an important role to play. Martin Oldwood does a lot with Academy. And in terms of recruitment, Tim Steiner's done an incredible job. An incredible job. That's why he's been linked for the sporting director at Liverpool. He was so important for Mohamed Kudas because right now he should be a Chelsea player. He should be a Chelsea player. Very in for him, but they wanted to prioritise signing um, Moses Kassade as a midfielder and they just stalled on signing Kudas. Tim Steiner, like a thief in the night, became aware of that. Absolutely wild Kudas, but Kudas was a bit like, I want to come, but will I be playing alongside Lucas Paquetar because he was of interest in Man City? And Tim Steiner was like, no, you're both played together. Like, you're both played together. And it was, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Benji, but I think it was the home win against Wolves in December where it just all clicked. There was amazing, all three of them, Kudas, Paquetar and Bowen. So he's been so important. I have to remember, 
In terms of Moyes himself, he's also been great at identifying his players because before Kudis arrived, he spoke to John Heitinger, who's part of the backroom staff, and Stephen Pina, because obviously both, both are Ajax. So he's done a lot of due diligence on his players, whereas before, it was a case where Sullivan will make a phone call, get that player available, yes, come on down, and then they'll play for West Ham. Now there's a lot, lot of things are in place now before a signing comes to uh, the club. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking to tear it up for Martin Odegaard. Oh, Declan Rice on his return. It's number six. And a muted celebration from the former West Ham captain. I take the responsibility, I pick the team, but the players have to take responsibility, you know, if you're, if you're not fronting up, not tackling, not uh, turning your back or not winning headers, etc. One of those days which you, you don't want to happen very often and uh, it happened today. The big question is, is David Moyes the one to blame? Which team, we were just talking about this, you're saying, like which team wouldn't take a European Cup, you know, in, in, in the last couple of seasons? Which team wouldn't take sixth or seventh in the Premier League? Aston Villa would definitely take that. 100%, yeah. I mean... It is, it is a fact that David Moyes is our most successful manager ever. Um, he has gotten us into Europe three seasons in a row, and no West Ham manager has ever done that before. So that needs to be the context here. But you know, in terms of the kind of um, the general feeling around the, the the fan the fans at the moment, like I'd like you to imagine, if you will, like a a graph of managerial sexiness. <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine which manager I'm this in my head. <laughs> and, if, and if the line down the middle is neutral, right, and then you've got this wave going above the line, below the line, and we're going to start below the line with Sam Allardyce, not sexy, right? <laughs> and after, after Billich, uh, after Allardyce, it was Billich, sexier. We had, you know, we had, we had, a, we bought Lanzini, we had Payet, then Moyes, back down below the line again, not so sexy. Then we decided we need sexy, so we went to Pellegrini. Um, and, and then we decided, no, that wasn't quite working, so we went back to not so sexy with Moyes, right? So we are just on this natural oscillation that seems to happen um, with West Ham fans for the last 10 years, where, right, we've had a bit of kind of boring, now let's get some sexy. And I think that's what, that's what the, the fans are feeling right now. They are overlooking the, the, the quantifiable success that um that David Moyes has brought us with our you know seventh seventh place finish finishes um you know Europe three years in a row and also I'm gonna use a visual prop on my desk. That is a picture of Jared Bowen scoring the winning goal in the Europa League final, the Europa Conference League final, the greatest moment in my footballing life, right? And I can never forget that. And I will always be grateful to David Moyes for that. All good things come to an end. So yeah, maybe he's kind of run his course now. But I don't like this kind of repainting of the narrative that, oh, Moyes is a dinosaur. No, he's not. He's our most successful manager ever. Well, I think of David Moyes, if you look back on his track record, he's not really one for, for having uh, a team that's like great to watch. That's not really his style. David Moyes' style is building teams, or clubs rather. He's done it at Everton and he's doing it to, to a great degree with West Ham, right? So I know style of play is an issue. But you can have someone like a Pellegrini who's brought in a high caliber manager, a style of play was still an issue because that football is absolutely terrible. 
on the pedigree, more possession based. So I want to let you know, I'm very much more he's in. I am very much more he's in for a number of reasons. I think he's a good fit for West Ham. He's brought stability to the club. He's improved recruitment, as I mentioned. In terms of signings, someone like a Jai Bowen for the Championship, I can make him a good player. Someone like a Mabakudis, who other clubs are in for, but West Ham are like, no, you can come here and you can be... One could argue he's now worth 100 million. That's due to him improving under David Moyes. And then I think of the, the morale among staff who just love him. Almost look at him as a father figure. He's done sports so much. And look, I understand results are bad right now, but Moyes have turned around before. So when I was coming here, I was thinking, what's, what's been the worst moment? And this is even the worst moment. And I'm thinking back to last season. There were two really? games. 6 0 at home? There were two games last season <laughs> that come to mind, right? Yeah. There was a 1 0 win um, against Fulham. And the fans were singing, you don't know what you're doing. You're getting sacked in the morning. There was a Moyes out banner in the away end. And then we win 1-0. And then Moyes walks past him like, okay, I heard you lot, I heard you lot. He looks towards the director's box. He's Karen Brady. He's like, just delighted he got the win. And then another game is the 4 loss against Brighton. Where again, the away fans are singing, you don't know what you're doing. You're getting sacked in the morning. And, but it was actually, you could hear it. Like it was really loud to the point where you're thinking, oh, this is really bad. And then what happened from there? He turned it around, won the Conference League. So I'm always just thinking, I've been here before, there's no reason why I can't turn it around. I mean, I, I reference Lucas Pacatari could come back, Antonio is going to come back. So West Ham could win the Europa League, it's going to be tough, but they could win the Europa League. And then everyone will be like, oh, Moyes, we love you again. And I'm sure Benji will agree as well. I think the um, something you just mentioned, Roshane, that, that it made me think that, you know, we talked previously about how by signing Alvarez and James Ward-Prowse, we sort of covered in two players what you potentially get in Declan Rice in one, right? What they don't cover is his leadership. Um, and maybe that's what we're seeing right now. Like th- for the last three, four years, you know, 10 years really, between Mark Noble and Declan Rice, we've had exceptional leaders on the pitch. And they're the sort of players that stop the rot when your team's 2-3-0 down and you, you, you're on a real wobble and your heads have gone, right? I can't see a West Ham team with Declan Rice in it losing, you know, 6-0 to Arsenal. He's a big part of Arsenal's galvanisation this year. Um, so I, I, I do personally think this is more of an on-field problem than an off-field problem. Rashane, we asked 3,000 West Ham fans and the full results will be published tomorrow. But we basically asked them some questions. And this is, I want you to be as honest as possible on this one. Um, and just give me a, a percentage of where you lie in, in terms of, of the question I ask you, OK? Um, so we've got three questions. And actually, Benji, jump in on this as well. Uh, first question, how happy are you with West Ham's style of play under David Moyes? Give me a percentage. So 60%. Benji? Yeah, 65, 70. Okay, that's pretty optimistic. Okay. Does Moyes get the best out of his team? I'll give that... I'll get 65. So yes, he does. 65% he gets the best out of his team. What do you reckon, Benji? Yeah, yeah. The truth is, more often than not, he does. Sometimes he doesn't in a big stinky way, like, you know, Sunday. But more, more often than not, he does. Yeah, 65, 70 again. All right. And final one. And also his contract is up, let's bear in mind, in the summer. Should David Moyes, you, you both said Moyes in, should David Moyes be given a contract extension? Give me a percentage of whether or not, yes, he should be given a contract extension. Yeah, I'd go 70. Yeah, he should. Like, if if we found a fantastic replacement that could really, like, I felt really excited by, then 
I'd be happy with that 30% scenario. I think it'd be really harsh on David Moyes, but I'd get it. The issue is, and this is a bit of a uh, this is a bit of a cliche in football land, but everyone talks about the kind of the Alan Kerbishley uh, scenario where you sort of don't know how good you've got it. You think that actually, you know, the sunlit uplands are just over there with that fancy new manager, and actually, it all ends up being downhill from there. Now, I would hope that the sort of um, stature of West Ham right now, which, by the way, David Moyes has built over the last three, four years, not just getting to Europe three years in a row, winning a trophy. And also, you do that, you then attract players like Paquetá. And good players beget good players. As, as Roshane just said, once you've got Paquetá, you've got a higher chance of getting a Mohamed Kudus. Um, so it could be now that some of the top managerial talent out there um, could be eligible for West Ham. And, and and if that's the case, then yeah, I can understand if they go for it. Um, but I'd be happy with Moyes for another season or two, definitely. I think West Ham fans are being ungrateful. I really do, because when I look on social media and I see the criticism they give to David Moyes, I'm like, hold on a second. Do you know what West Ham were before? David Moyes. Because when you think about West Ham over the years, not factoring the past three seasons, it's been a case where the odd mid-table finish, surviving relegation, that's pretty much it. These European trips, which a lot of fans have enjoyed, myself included, where it's been amazing. Experience in Prague, they are never forget. But that's all down to Moyes. That is all down to him. Why not for Moyes? West Ham will be 10th or, or, or just about staying up. All these new experiences have been down to him. So the supporters need to be grateful for what he's done. Yes, I know it's not going good at the minute, but you know, give the man the respect he's due. One of the problems is that the 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 final in Prague last year, there were only about 5,000 West Ham fans that were able to go there, right? And obviously away games, you only ever get a couple of thousand allocation. And we've had like over the last little while, we've had three or four sort of big nights at the Olympic Stadium. I'm thinking against Lyon, against Sevilla. And so I think if you were to ask any of the West Ham fans that were there in Prague or that really followed those European runs, how they feel about David Moyes, I think their love for him and their gratitude is probably so entrenched that they give him the benefit of the doubt when things like this happen. Like, and I think that with, with respect, the kind of more distant fans, the fans that don't go to as many games, the kind of online fandom, yes, yeah, easy to say, you know, oh, it's all it's all it's all it's all gone gone to pot. Let's let's bring in a shiny new manager, even though I can't quite tell you who that shiny new manager is. That's the bigger question, isn't it? You know, who does come in to to take this job if David Moyes is moved on from West Ham and you know we spoke about Graham Potter. Does he seem like someone that you can see West Ham fans getting excited about? I, I, can, I can see someone like Graham Potter using West Ham as a springboard for another top club. That's how I see it. And I always see it on social media, you know, West Ham, I lose, oh, boys out, get boys out. Oh, West Ham, win. oh, yeah, we still want boys out. It's, it's crazy. It really is. But look, if the board were to go in a new direction and not give Moyes a contract extension, I like someone like a Michael Carrick. I think he's good. We've done a great I'm job. Proving the Premier League fully, though. I'm proving that if you look back on the board, they don't really give up and coming managers a chance, but he gives uh, young players a chance. I'm in his bra. Plus, he started his career at West Ham as well, so he's definitely one I like. And look, you got other managers like Will Still, who Benji will will touch on now. He well, the thing with Will Still is he's a massive West Ham fan. Um, I think he's from a family of West Ham fans. Um, and West Ham do always seem to have a lot of French speakers in the squad as well, so that would help. But I think as to, to you know, to Rochane's point, I'm not sure this board are going to appoint someone relatively inexperienced like Carrick or Will Steele. It's why I do actually think Potter is probably the, the perfect fit because, you know, his stint at Chelsea has ruled him out of like a big club for at least his next, like his next job. 
Um, but you know, as we're seeing with Chelsea, that that club is mad. Like Pochettino is barely able to kind of you know you know get it un- get it under control. You know, yes, they've had a couple of good results, but you know th- what we've seen this year is that Chelsea, you know, Chelsea last year was not Potter's fault. And his career up to that point was exceptional. He got bright. He started the kind of revolution at Brighton post kind of Chris Hutton that Deserby is now getting all the credit for. You know, if Deserby ends up with 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 the with the with the you know the Barcelona job in the summer or something, I hope he sends a big case of wine to to, to Graham Potter because he's the one that laid the rails as a football manager. I would be very happy with Graham Potter because I think he's sophisticated, he's modern. Um, if he can bring some of the kind of scouting nows that they had at Brighton, um, even though I know that kind of part of the kind of institutional setup there, um, I'd be very happy. Um, what he isn't, and this might be a negative mark for West Ham fans, he's not really a personality, is he? At least with um, with Moyes, you've got that kind of gruff Scottishness that, 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 that definitely passes as kind of like, you know, heft and personality. I'm not sure you get that with Potter. This is a paid advertisement from BetterHelp Therapy Online. Do you ever get that feeling that you need to get something off your chest? We all carry around different stressors, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to release and discuss those thoughts and feelings and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a licensed therapist. And if things don't click, you can switch to someone new at any time with no additional charge. With over 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And because you listen to this podcast, you can get 10% off your first month of online therapy by heading to betterhelp.com slash athleticfootball. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash athleticfootball with no spaces. You're listening to the Athletic Football Podcast with Io Akimolera. We've mentioned the board a couple of times now. What do the board want? I mean, if you look at it in terms of PR, this is perfect. You know, you've got a nice new stadium. You know, you're getting sixth or seventh in the in the Premier League. You're back in Europe again. I mean, this is great for the board, surely. Yeah, I mean, this is why I think that ultimately Moyes, I feel really confident that he'll get a new contract because they must not be able to believe their luck, right? When we bought Moyes in, we were at a low ebb, right? And the fans were not happy with with West Ham. Um, and they were not happy with the appointment. There was, myself included, I was unexcited by Moyes coming back. It felt regressive, right? But what he's delivered, I keep on banging on about it, is huge success. And huge success relative to expectations as well. And so we are now in a position where we are able to attract not the top players, but maybe the best players from from the tier below. Um, and in terms of progress as a brand, you look at these Deloitte rankings, or whatever. We, we we are we are a big global club, and you know winning trophies means you are recognised. Players are more interested in you. Um, so I would expect them to just stick right now rather than twist. And you've also got to remember, like David Sullivan is not getting any younger. You know David Gold sadly passed away last year. Like they are probably wanting to hover their club around this level so that someone comes in and buys the lot. 
Um, and so when you're in that position, I don't think you, you you do anything adventurous like give a job to to, to Michael Carrick or Will Still. Um, so I think the board are probably pretty happy with, with, with where we are right now. Roshane, you know, so for the size of this club, what you're saying is West Ham fans are just chill. Like this is this is as good as it gets. Could do you not see West Ham? Perhaps I use Aston Villa because they're probably the, the closest comparison in, a, in in terms of where they are right now. Kind of flying where Aston Villa are, challenging for the Champions League. And also, if you don't have that kind of ambition, you've got stars like Kudis on that team who you could see with this style of play and how we can shift and change a game, looking elsewhere, if he's not playing in the Champions League, for instance, you know, what's the ambition for this club? No, that's a good point you make, but players like Kudis as Pakatar, it's inevitable they'll move on. You know, it happened to Declan Rice, who was West Ham's best player. Like, it's, it's inevitable they'll move on at some point. What West Ham have to do is bring in players like that and sell them for the same money because it shows the recruitment is good. But... And fans will be like, oh, you know, a new manager can get the, be- can get the best out of or-, or do a lot better with the squad Moyes has at his disposal. And I think, yeah, maybe they could. But I think it's going really to be well right now. I really do. And as I mentioned, a new manager can come in and absolutely wreck what Moyes has done, both good and off the field. So I'm very much in the mindset where West Ham fans relax. <laughs> relax, because there's still a lot to play for this season. It really is, and Moyes can still turn it around. And as I mentioned, you got you can have a new manager come in and, and and it's a case where West Ham struggle, and fans are like, oh, you know what? We could do it. Moyes coming back, you know. It'll be classic West Ham. I I oh, like you, you say the kind of the Villa comparison, right? That kind of was us three years ago in in the, in, in the COVID season. Like we missed out. We finished fifth. Am I right? Or we missed out basically by a few points in the Champions League. And ultimately, I think Aston Villa will probably do the same thing this year. I don't think they'll get Champions League. I think they'll probably just miss out, right? But the the um. It's very, you know, and if Villa do that, fantastic. If Villa do that for the next four or five years consistently, well, wow, that is exceptional. Because because to consistently pierce that kind of top four without having, you know, unlimited amounts of, of sovereign wealth fueling your transfer business basically doesn't happen in football. Um, so until West Ham get bought, because we will at some stage, and who knows the scale of what that purchase will, will bring, um, I do actually think we've got to look at what we've achieved over the last two, three years and think, yeah, that's that's kind of, I don't want to say as good as it gets, but that is like a really, really good level to have hit. You know, it's not something to to to, to be sniffed at. I remember in December, right, the 5-1 loss away to Liverpool in the quarterfinals of the Carabao Cup. Supporters were annoyed because Moyes fielded a weekend team. A lot of fans thought Moyes should have gone for it. I thought Moyes should have gone for it. But after that, Moyes beat United and Arsenal. So you could argue, you know, I was right to fill this team. But in terms of expectations, why, why it's risen to where, to where it is now is obviously what Moyes has done with Europe. But my argument to fans, you say, and West Ham need to reach the next level is, West Ham, they're not going to do a Leicester win the Premier League. They're not going to, could challenge for top four, but they're not really going to finish due to the other clubs and the amount of money they have. I think the way it is now, and sorry if I sound negative, is as good as it will get for West Ham. What I would say, what I would say, just to caveat that, and this is maybe slightly undermine some of my, my previous points, is that when you are a club like that, that you're not going to win the league, you, 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 it's very unlikely you're going to finish in the top four. Um, there's two things that you want, I think. You want a run at a trophy. Well, we've done that. We got one. And the other thing you want is, again, bring it back on Valentine's Day, you want some sexy football, right? And that is something that, that you just... 
you're not going to consistently get sexy football with Moyes. You're going to get moments and you get some sexy footballers. You, you know, Roshane talked about that Wolves game where Pakatar, I think, provided three assists, two for Kudus and one, and one for Bowen. Beautiful football. We played some beautiful football in that game. But that that is the exception rather than the rule. So I understand why if your ceiling is set just slightly below the Champions League places, you want a trophy where we got that, but you also want some like fun, exciting, sexy football, which you just generally don't get with Moyes. So fair enough, people being a bit annoyed about that. Okay, let's leave it there. West Ham fans, I'm printing the T-shirt now. Rashane <laughs> says, relax. <laughs> it's on sale right now on the Athletic Football. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. I want anyway. one extra large. <laughs> extra large. Anyway, gents, thanks so much for your time, Rashane Benji. And also, if you want the results of our poll on David Moyes and West Ham, make sure you check out Rashane's piece, which will be on the Athletic tomorrow as well. Make sure you review and rate the podcast. Thanks for listening. We're back tomorrow. The Athletic.